it is Christmas time, coming into Christmas. We talk a lot about uh, fuzzy things around Christmas, right? We talk about hope, right? We talk about faith. We talk about joy. We talk about love, right? Scripture says hope, joy, love, right? Uh, But the greatest of these is love. Jesus said that loving God and loving people are the greatest commandments. We're believers in Jesus. Of course, we do that. And of course, we see at Christmas that love, that God is love. And he demonstrated that by coming to earth, right? And giving his life for us. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. Oh, look at that. The heavens are open. That's cool sound. Uh, So Christmas is kind of like this warm, fuzzy thing. We kind of want to escape our problems and and just talk about fuzzy things. And and it's all fuzzy until oftentimes for many of us, we get with our extended family, right? And then our crazy uncle there who's talking about who knows what, we just kind of smile and nod the whole conversation. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do that, right? Um, uh, at, at most family gatherings, if we're to be honest, there's probably some unaddressed elephants in the room, right? They're just kind of like, yeah, that just happens in our family, right? And if you don't think that, wait until you start dating and get engaged because then this other person comes to your family and like, what in the world is wrong with y'all? You know, like, y'all don't talk about this thing over here because everyone's thinking about it, right? Um, or, or, um, or suddenly, right, um, there's, there's kind of like, man, fractured relationships or whatever. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, you don't quite feel the love in the air as much. And so the reality is, um, I don't know if I've ever heard this much rain on the roof in here. It's uh, cool. Uh, I'm easily distractible. Lord, help me out. So the reality is, if you're a human being and you've been around a while, uh, pain will happen. Relational pain will happen. People will do you wrong. You'll do others wrong. Pain is a part of relationships. And, And I would bet that in a room like this, Many of us are still feeling the pain or the fresh sting of relational pain in our life from something that maybe just happened or maybe even something that happened years ago and we're still carrying it. You see, if if we're going to be people of love and we're going to lift Jesus and the fact that he is love up high this Christmas, we cannot separate Love from forgiveness, right? If we're going to be in deeply long-term committed loving friendships or relationships or in the church body, we cannot think that, that we can just remove forgiveness from the equation and have love, right? Pain has happened these last few years. Certain ones of us who've been hurt, we've, we've felt backstabbed, we've felt misunderstood, right? And so we can't just suddenly kind of just come to church and turn on love and pretend like everything's okay and just say, man, I just love people because I'm a Christian, right? Thanks, praise the Lord, brother, right? Forgiveness is a real part of how we deal with pain and whether we choose to go deeper in our relationships and find healing or whether we choose to eventually just stay stuck and at a certain level in our relationship. Catholic theologian Ronald Rollheiser says this, the major task for the second half of our lives is to forgive. 
Now, if you're in your first half of your life, right, um, you're thinking, oh, I got some pain too. But what I found is the older I get, the more it just accumulates. And so as you go, you've got to make decisions on whether you're going to be forgiving or not. And so I think the reason, you know, one of the reasons that it's not only in Scripture, but it's right here in the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus didn't just want us to have a theology of forgiveness or even just pray about forgiveness, but actually by the fact that it's in a prayer, forgiveness would become part of our DNA. It would become very part of who we are. I believe Jesus has called his followers, especially in a time like this, to look different than everyone else. Forgiveness ought to be a mark. If it says we'll be known by our love, we should also be said that we could be known by our forgiveness and our grace and our empathy with others that are often different than us or not like us. And so I wanna take a look here at Jesus' words as we continue this last week in, our, in the Lord's Prayer. We went to the end last week, we're bumping back up. So let's look at it, it says this in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said this, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, daily, or this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're going to be camping today in verse 12. It says, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And so um, a few questions I want to answer as we look at this text today in scripture. Number one, I want to answer why is forgiveness so important? Secondly, why in the world is forgiveness so hard? Thirdly, what is the secret to becoming a forgiven person? And then fourth, how do we actually forgive someone, especially if it feels like unforgiveness is ingrained in our heart because of real pain? And so as we start, I think I just want to offer kind of a quick framework for what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Um, you see, I think in our world, we often have two ditches when we think about forgiveness. This first one often has been perpetuated in the church, is that forgiveness is just some kind of quick decision we make. Um, sometimes it is, uh, but sometimes we just think it's a quick decision we make, we make a choice by faith, and then we're done with it, right? And obviously, if you've lived enough, you know, what often happens, you make a choice and it just ends up being stuffed and then it comes up later, right? And so uh, we often in one ditch negate our emotions and our feelings and our pain that are attached to things that have been done to us. On the other side, and I think, um, which is often a reaction to this first ditch and sometimes sadly a reaction to error in our understanding and forgiveness of the church, uh, <clears throat> Other people have kind of said, man, depending on the issue, holding unforgiveness is actually a noble thing. 
right? So some of them said, oh, just forgive, not a big deal. Discounted your emotions, discounted the pain, discounted the severity. I think on the other side, many have said, well, if you're hurting enough, you don't really have to forgive. In fact, holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness is actually very noble because it makes you righteous. And so, um, and I just want to say, those are, those, are, those are ditches. So we're going to look at Jesus today. And so, just a few things, though, what unforgiveness, oh, I'm sorry, what forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not allowing others to take advantage of you. It's not just forbearance only or like just not acting negatively, right? Forgiveness is not condoning what's been done. It's not justifying what's been done. It's not excusing what's been done. It's not reconciling with a person, although at times it can lead to that, but reconciliation takes two people, right? Um, and so forgiveness does not always result in reconciliation. And forgiveness is also not just forgetting, right? If we could just forget something painful, we probably wouldn't have to do forgiveness, right? What is forgiveness? The Greek word here um, in, in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, literally means to send away or let it go. And so forgiveness is, is a letting go, you know, cue the frozen song, let it go, right? Uh, forgiveness is letting go of our resentment and vengeance towards someone or something, releasing them of the debt we feel they owe us. So forgiveness is letting go of our resentment and vengeance towards someone, releasing them of the debt we feel they owe us. And so... The Lord's Prayer is short, is quick, is easily memorable. Jesus could have put anything in the Lord's Prayer. He could have put any topic. He could have prayed for best friends, right? He could have prayed for faith-building experiences. He could have prayed, right, for um, world hunger to end. And there's a lot of things, and we should pray those things, but for some reason, he chose to put forgiveness uh, in as one of the key topics in this very short prayer. And when you couple that with the fact, as we talked about, many scholars believe that the early church prayed the Lord's Prayer even three times a day. Why would Jesus say, man, forgiveness is such a big deal. We ought to go through that numerous times a day. I need to put this in here because people need to go to their heart space on the matter of forgiveness numerous times off in a day, if not just on the daily. So why is forgiveness so important? We see this theme throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. God was not only seen as a forgiving God, but we also see God command them to forgive their brother and sister's debt. We see in the New Testament, for example, in Ephesians 4, Paul said this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you're sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, I'm sorry, clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It appears that Paul is saying that when we don't deal with our unforgiveness issues horizontally, it actually quenches and grieves the Holy Spirit in our relationship vertically. And I think a lot of us were stuck somewhere in our relationship with God because we haven't dealt with our horizontal relationships or at least tried to begin a process. 
Mark 11, Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, forgive anyone, right, that has something against you. And coming back to our passage in Matthew 6, a few, the next couple passages after uh, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says something pretty intense. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, Jesus is making forgiveness a non-optional essential in the Christian life. If we have been forgiven, if we know a God who is forgiving, this will be the fruit, even if it's bumpy and imperfect and screwed up at times and painful, this will be the fruit of our lives. So why is this such a big deal? Number one, I think it's because God cares about your soul. Holding on to unforgiveness of people in the long term can even open up our hearts in spiritual doorways to darkness. It can open up spiritual doorways to, to the demonic. It can open up our, our mind to lies and bitterness. God looks over our soul. Holding on to angerness and, anger and bitterness brings death to our faith, brings pain and death to our relationship with God and quenches the spirit of God. God cannot bless an area of our life if we're long-term holding on to unforgiveness, right? One I've heard before this analogy, uh, holding on to unforgiveness is like being mad at someone to the point where you drink poison hoping that they die and you end up being the one in pain. Right? We think that holding on to unforgiveness is hurting someone else, but it's actually hurting our, our own selves. God makes this a big deal because he cares about you. He's not using strong words there to try and shame you or fear you into you know, doing something so you get saved. I, I think he cares about your soul. Secondly, he cares about your health. If we hold on to unforgiveness, we increase scientifically our risk of cardiovascular events. We increase our cortisol levels. We have worse immune function. We have lower mental health and, and, less, and we have more rumination, which is more likely to actually lead to a psychological disorder, such as depression, anger disorders, anxiety disorders, post-traumatic stress disorders, psychosomatic disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders. You get the point. God cares about your soul, God cares about your health, and God really cares about relationships. You see, we, we live in a very individualistic country, but we were saved into a relational kingdom. See, God himself is a relationship. It's wild. He's one, and yet he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship with himself, unbroken and unhindered. God makes relationships a huge deal. And if we want to hang on to the debt because we're angry that we feel like someone else owes us, we're going to be running around in our relationships like debt collectors. And who loves a good debt collector? <laughs> Who's like, man, I hope a debt collector calls me today. You know, I'm just, hey, want to come over and hang out later after you call me in this debt collector? No, like, we don't like debt collectors, right? And so God knows if we're hanging on to the debt, we feel like others owe us, right? We become debt collectors in our relationships. You see, what the pain and the anger and the bitterness that we don't allow Jesus to transform 
ultimately transmits in our relationship. Right? When we don't get healed, we end up reacting out of pain. We end up reacting out of being short and angry. But when we work through the process of forgiveness and healing, even if you're very much in process of it, good news is that we become the healing hands and feet of Jesus to others. We become sources of empathy and compassion and Jesus' love and truth to others. We become conduits of transformation for other people. And that's the invitation when we are done wrong. So you're like, okay, I want to forgive, but let's be real for a second. I want to forgive that person, but da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? We've all thought that before. Raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So why is forgiveness so hard? When I was growing up, I had a cousin, I have a cousin, uh, named Jessica, and, and there was this thing, this little thing in the, in the 80s called a popple. If I can get a picture of the popple up here. Jessica had a popple. Anyone remember popples? <clears throat> no one? All right. <coughs> Does anyone have a popple on them? No. Uh, Jessica had a popple, and she had this thing for a lot of years. And let me just say, this thing over the course of many years did not look that good. It was dirty. It had been dragged through the mud sometimes, right? It, because uh, it snows a lot in Minnesota, and then it gets muddy, and you drop stuff in puddles and mud puddles all over the place. This thing was nasty. It smelled, but she would not depart from the popple, right? So, <coughs> We, and, and we've asked forgiveness for this, but all of the cousins, of course, would always steal the popple and they would drive it through the roof. And, you know, so uh, we're working through the forgiveness thing, you know, still. Uh, but uh, she was attached to the popple. You could offer her the best present for Christmas if you'll give me the popple. That thing stinks. You don't need it in your life. It smells. It's, it's not good for you, you know? It's not a good look on you. It's dirty. It's smelly. We've got 10 popples for you. We've got 10 new gifts for you. No, she wants the dirty, smelly popple because to her, she's emotionally involved with the popple. She is connected to the popple, right? <clears throat> Doesn't matter if there's something better for her or not, right? And a lot of us, we treat unforgiveness the same way, right? On paper, we're like, yeah, it would make sense to get rid of that. It would make sense to deal with that, but. I'm kind of used to this now. It's kind of become a part of who I am. And it kind of, at least temporarily, makes me feel better. I know it's not good. I know it looks kind of goofy on me sometimes. But I think I'm just going to hang on to it, right? And we hang on to it because it gets emotionally ingrained with us. You see, behind why is, is forgiveness so hard to work through? Because so often it feels, and there actually is, a matter of injustice that goes along with a lot of the times. You know that feeling. You got done wrong, and it wasn't fair. They shouldn't have done that. They weren't thoughtful, right? And and legitimately, it may have been an injustice. And so there's something that one scholar calls an injustice gap, a gap between what should have been and what actually happened. A gap between what you'd hoped for would be desired outcome and what 
actually happen. A gap between what you felt like you should have been feeling in that relationship, if they had cared for you or whatever, and now how you feel. It's an injustice gap. And the reality is, when injustice is done, it costs us something. If you ever had something done to you before, it maybe costs you your peace. It costs us our convenience. It costs us financially. It costs us sometimes our health. It costs us relationships. It costs us our idealized picture of what should have been and what we'd hoped for but was not. And for some of us, we've had things done to us that have cost us so much more than that. I'm sorry. Some of us, we've had stuff done to us even these last years. We've had people betray us or, or feel like we stab us in the back or uh, had people that feel like, man, I was close to you and all of a sudden you disappeared or whatever. <clears throat> these are painful things. And so because of something that cost us, what happens is we feel that the other person owes us something. And then we think, without thinking about this all, cognitively, <clears throat> we think, well, I'll be peaceful if either they give me what I deserve or they pay too. Right? We've all felt that before. <clears throat> we think, um, hey, not a big deal because, right, it's unjust. So I feel kind of right in feeling right about this and the fact that you're wrong. And so <clears throat> what we do is we kind of, we, we, we hang on to it in, in the back of our minds. We hope for them to pay the price of something. We hope them to maybe come groveling back to us or just saying, hey, you know what? It just feels better to stay mad and right. <laughs> and if you're married, you know you can be right and totally wrong. So a lot of times we don't realize we do this, you know, um, we, we, we probably learned it maybe from our family of origin, right? All of our families had ways, good and bad, that we dealt with pain and unforgiveness. Um, and, and man, if it costs you something, we're already emotionally invested. We're already, you know, chips into this, this deck of cards here. So I'm just going to stay in it. And so, uh, but we, we all know, right? People that have waited years for that person to come back to them and they're hanging on to it. Does it really give us peace, right, to hang on to it? And we all know people that have had that person come back to them and they're still mad, right? And so as long as our peace depends on someone else doing something or a situation changing, that's not freedom, that's bondage. God didn't set it up for our peace to depend Entirely on what someone else does. So we either, right, make a choice to keep justice in our own hands. You know, we're going to make a choice how we're going to handle justice. Are we going to take it into our own hands, right? I heard someone say, my name, you know, refer to the, my name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> you killed my father, now prepare to die, right? We either take it into our own hands or we give the matter of justice into God's hands through forgiveness. Right, so, so what's, what's the secret to forgiveness? I want to look back at this passage. You know, there's a couple pieces here in verse 12. It says this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That first piece, it starts with saying, forgive us our debts. You see, we ourselves have made sin and mistake. We've hurt others. We've uh, caused others pain. We've reacted out of pain. 
And if you're like me, it's easier to see the sin of others faster than the sin that I have, right? That's why the Bible says, Jesus said that we're to remove the log, right, from our own eye before we remove the speck from someone else's, right? I don't know uh, if you guys have been around any, uh, you know, had any fires getting colder recently, you put the logs in the fire. It's hard to see if you put a log to your eye. It doesn't work well, and that's what Jesus is getting at, right? Uh, That's why he said, remove the log from your own eye, because we've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, we've all even accidentally hurt people. Some of us, even on purpose, we've hurt people. Um, Every one of us, we've needed forgiveness. And so, so, so what's God's response to the logs in our eye? What's God's response to our own sin? He says, gotcha. I remember what you did two years ago. I've been waiting to get back at you. And I've been waiting for this moment that I could show you what a sinner you are, right? I've been waiting on my moment of justice so I can feel better about myself. No, 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 that's not what God's saying. What, what is God's response to a sinful, broken humanity? Radical, radical, radical generosity and forgiveness. <clears throat> I mean, think about this. God loved us. It's, our relationship with God is not like any other. I mean, can you, it's like being in a relationship with someone that never sins, right? He never sinned against us. It was entirely on our end, and yet he loved us so much, even though he never did any wrong, he came to the earth and became a human and was beaten, whipped, and mocked and spit on for you and I. And so when he's hanging there on the cross, did he say, Father, smite them. Get me down off the cross so I can go get my gun. No, he he said, Father, forgive them. I mean, after being beaten and spit on and mocked and publicly humiliated, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus somehow in the middle of all that pain not only forgave, he was able to sit in a place of empathy and compassion For the very people that did him wrong. Now that is forgiveness. How do you know that you've worked your forgiveness through when you want the best for the other person? When you can have empathy. He absorbed that gap of injustice himself on the cross. He didn't hang it over our heads, he took it on. So that gap between us would be gone and so that we could be forgiven and free. You see, Jesus gave us both mercy and grace. Mercy means we don't get what we deserve and grace means we do get better than we deserve. We got both mercy and grace with Jesus. We didn't deserve it. We can't do anything to earn it. He could have just released injustice on us and, and injustice on us and tore us down, but instead he released forgiveness and built us up. And man, that's good news because I don't know what you've done. And, 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 but the reality is we've all sinned. I don't know what kind of shame you're carrying or how you've done someone else wrong or what kind of self-hatred you have today. But guess what? Jesus forgives you. And so if you're carrying around self-hatred for what you've done, which makes it very hard to forgive others, you can forgive yourself. 
Because he's already forgiven you. And so the secret to forgiveness is experiencing the radical forgiveness and the grace of God yourself. And so lastly, how do we practically walk out this forgiveness? Number one, it, it starts with a choice. Just like Jesus himself made a choice to go to the cross, which you saw him wrestle in agony with in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you're familiar with that passage, it starts, forgiveness starts with the choice to release them from the expectation that they'll repay you, but rather to bless them in return. Now, if you're like me, you're looking at that like, that's a great idea, Mark, you know, I hope that works for you. I don't know if that's going to work for me, uh, right? If, if we're real, all of us somewhere along the way have made a faith choice to forgive someone. Then we see them an hour later, and they're like, gosh, I can't stand that person. <laughs> right? Some of y'all walking into that this Christmas at your family, right? Um, the reality is forgiveness, especially the greater the injustice done, is often a longer emotional journey that is worked out in prayer. That's why we're talking about forgiveness in a prayer series. We're talking about forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer. This is, this, some of this has only got to be worked out with God alone and God's help alone. And so I know that there's some of us here today that, man, we're, we feel stuck. I got good news there is hope and help because God can step in. We had our elders retreat last weekend. I was talking to one of the elders and he's asking me, hey, how's this, how's this thing in this relationship in this area of your life? And I was, he's like, I was like, oh, I forgave him. You know, and he's asking more questions and he's like, you forgive him all the way? And as we talked, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I think. Let me pray about that. And as I went before the Lord, I'm like, man, I've, I've made some choices to forgive. I've worked it through partway. But man, I don't, I don't know if every day I want the, the full blessing on this person because it feels so dang unjust at times. Well, I'm thankful, first of all, that's why we have church elders. Uh, and then I preach a sermon on this. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> no, I mean, I was going to do that anyways. It just happened to to go hand in hand. And you know what? This week, I've encountered the heart of God for myself, for this person, for everyone involved in this situation. I have encountered the heart of God. God is so amazingly kind and generous to me when I don't deserve it, to people when they don't deserve it. He is unlike any other person or thing. And so I don't know what kind of unforgiveness or pain, and I'm so sorry that some of you have, have had things terribly done to you, but there's hope. I don't know what you've done to others that you're carrying around the shame and condemnation for, but there is hope for you. And so I put together a little kind of four-step little model that I, I kind of studied a bunch of models on forgiveness, including um, Dr. Everett Worthington Jr., who's a who kind of expert in this. He's a, a psychologist, but he, he specializes in this, a Christian guy. Um, and I kind of pulled together four different steps <clears throat> to kind of help us work that through emotionally. Four R's. I got you. Try to make it memorable. 
so number one, recall the hurt. Again, one of the main ditches we get in, oftentimes in the church, is we think that having faith means we don't feel emotions. I just want to say, if something has been done to you that's painful, you feeling angry and mad about it needs to be part of your process. Because you need to digest the emotions and the impact that this costs you. Some of you, you stuck in the cost of it for 10 years, you know? But some of us, because of our family of origin and our personality type, we just say, oh, not a big deal, not a big deal. It just doesn't matter. I'll stuff it down. I want peace in my relationships, whatever. And we don't really count the cost of the impact this had on us. We don't count the loss this had on us. We need to recall what happened and the impact this had on us and count the cost, especially if you're someone that stuffs the pain and stuffs the emotions. And we do this with Jesus. And we do this in community with other people to love us along the way. So we need to recall the hurt and even name emotions to that. And so for me, you know, for example, this, this circumstance, I've, I've been, man, it costs this, it costs this, it costs this. Writing that down in bullets is helpful for me to digest it. <clears throat> Secondly, receive empathy. And this is where it gets a little challenging, receiving empathy for not only yourself, but receiving empathy for that other person. <clears throat> and good news is God is the master and source of empathy, right? And we see empathy being poured out of Jesus on the cross for us when we didn't deserve it. And so it starts by receiving empathy. And, and part of that, to be able to receive empathy, we need to forgive ourselves so that we can take the lid off our receiver, if God forgives you, right, that means he can forgive us. To say, I can't forgive myself even though God forgives me is like kind of, you know, a rejection of the cross somehow. So you can forgive yourself if God forgives you. And what that does, if you open that can up, you can kind of start to receive God's empathy. Man, God, this was hard because da, 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 da. And man, he, he wants to empathize with you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Scripture. God also wants to put you in community who can be the hands and feet of Jesus to give you, to be dispensers of empathy for you as well. That's why it's so important. If we have deep-seated pain and unforgiveness, <clears throat> we go through this process with other people that we're open and vulnerable with. <clears throat> but it also means receiving empathy for the other person. That'll start to make smaller the gap of injustice. That'll take you from 100% unforgiveness to 50% unforgiveness to 20% unforgiveness when you start to remember, you know what? I'm a human and they're a human. I'm not excusing what they did by any means of it, <clears throat> but God, what do you think about this person? God, they're made in your image. What does that mean in this circumstance? God, I'm not excusing what they did, but what in the world might have they been thinking behind this? <clears throat> you know? Um, so receiving God's empathy for yourself and them. Thirdly, releasing them from their debt. Again, the more empathy we receive for ourselves and for others, the easier we start to get to this third step of releasing someone from their debt, and this is a choice we make, sometimes on the front end, but also a choice we make throughout, <clears throat> where maybe we write down, hey, I'm releasing them from owing me 
this, 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 this. I, I got great parents. I did this with my, uh, I did this. I didn't give it to my parents, but I wrote them a note that I never gave them. And I just said, man, I, I, I thank you for this, this, and this, and this, but I would have loved this, this, and this, and this for me, but I never got that. But you know what? I'm releasing the fact that I'll probably never get that from you. And I'm saying, and I'm empathizing with you did your best and I'm giving that to God, I love you. Man, it just released some things and some barriers in our relationships. So you might need to write out what you're releasing in that person. You might need to stand with open hands and saying, God, this thing I've been giving on to, I'm just as an act of faith gonna do this right now and give that over to you. And then fourthly, resolve to stand in forgiveness and walk that out. And what I mean by that is, <clears throat> You can get partway through this thing and even go step through step three and all of a sudden you're back at step one and be like, oh, I didn't, I'm hurting all again. I didn't even feel that motion up until this pain. This is typically, especially the bigger the pain, not a straight line. And so you might try to do step three first and then you realize you gotta do step two and then you're back at step one and then you're trying to walk step four. So step four is just saying, man, I have uh, done what I can, and the reality is life is in a straight line and emotions are in a straight line, so I'm gonna make a choice to stand in the forgiveness and to keep working it through, <clears throat> okay? So again, <clears throat> this doesn't mean, hopefully this leads to reconciliation, but not always. And sometimes, if it's an abusive relationship, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you need to have boundaries up or you need to at times even disconnect the relationship entirely. And so, man, if you have been in an abusive relationship, first of all, I'm sorry for what's done to you. But we wanna help you out and there is life ahead for you and you have life ahead. Um, Right, so this does not mean everything's peachy and cream and we just always reconcile. No, hopefully, but not always, right? It takes two. And so um, I uh, was gonna show a video, but um, can't today, but I was just, you know, does this really work? And I, I ran across a story a number of years ago from my hometown of Minneapolis and this, this mother had her son killed um, in a, in a, in a gunfight. At a, at a party, it was back in the 90s. And so this guy that killed her son uh, went on to do, I think, 25, 17 of the 25 years. But she's a devout Christian, and so she visited him in prison, and uh, somewhere along the way, um, began to work through a process, and she visited him and said, hey, we got unfinished business. And she told him, you know, the hurt and the pain, but she forgave him. And so it began this process in his heart, of him being able to forgive himself, of him meeting Jesus and going to follow Jesus, him getting out of prison and not only moving back into the neighborhood, but literally living next to her in the duplex. Who was the one who advocated for it? The mother. She said, I want this guy, because he's become like a son to me, to be here. Wow, you know, I mean, I don't think that's what forgiveness needs to look like all the time, but that is the power of the gospel of the good news of Jesus in our lives. She is, the video of her, she's singing hymns to Jesus, doing you know, iron, singing hymns, loving Jesus, and she said, man, this was painful, but I have worked this through. I want to tell you, no matter what you're in, Jesus 
can heal any relationship. No matter what's going on in your family, Jesus can heal any relationship. No matter what pain you're carrying, Jesus can bring healing to it. So the reality is some of us, we're stuck somewhere today, many of us. As I was taking time to worship and pray last night over today, I just, God just like deposited his heart in my heart to the point of being in tears for some of us today. And his heart breaks that some of us have stayed trapped and stuck in unforgiveness for years. His heart breaks for some of the things that have been done to us. His heart breaks that some of us are choosing to stay in anger and hatred towards his children. His heart breaks for some of our indifference towards this. And his heart broke, I think, this week when God showed me I got some more work to do in an area of my life. But I think his heart breaks a great hope because we have the good news of Jesus today, that love is alive, that love came to earth. That's what Advent is about. That is what we're celebrating. Love came to earth, and love can enter into this place in your story. And today is a day that we can start that. And so just a few different groups of people, maybe you've never met Jesus, you've never met the capital L, love, and today you need to let Jesus take away your sin once and for all and all you've done by turning to Jesus and saying, God, I need to be saved, not by my good works, but I need to be saved by turning to you and and, and I need you to forgive me and I want a relationship with you. And you can do that today by calling on Jesus' name. But the rest of us, some of us, we have been hanging emotional debt over someone's head for a while, maybe even years. And for some of you today, it's a day to, in faith, at least begin a process to release that debt. Maybe some of you need to come to the altar and just come before God and leave something at the altar that you came in here carrying. Leave anger. Leave bitterness. Leave this person owes me or I was done so wrong Leave that at the altar. Some of you, it's a day to begin to receive empathy. Receive empathy in a place of pain. Some of you need to open the lid of vulnerability and acknowledge, you know what, this really did hurt. This was really painful. And I've minimized that. I've tried to get around it. I've tried to stuff it. But this was really painful. And I need someone to be the hands and feet of Jesus today and give me a hug. We're gonna have our prayer team and some of our leaders available on the sides to offer prayer and offer empathy and offer support. Some of us, we maybe did someone else wrong. And we moved on, but they were left with a heap of pain and hurting. Now, it's not always appropriate, depending on the nature of the relationship, to go back and apologize to that person. But often it is. Well, you can't rescue that person or can't fix a situation or can't rescue them from their pain. You can go back and humble yourself and say, you know what, I was wrong. I remember when I got saved in high school, I was an absolute jerk before I got saved. I made fun of people. I mistreated people. 
So I came back from college one summer and I made a list of people and I went looking for them. People were blown away and in tears. People that I had made fun of. Just, what? You know, what? And just in tears receiving empathy and care. And me saying, man, that must have been pain for you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And that's not who you are. You're actually this, this, and there's someone to call identity out in you. So many today need to go back to someone that you left hurting miles back along the way. Maybe coming into this Christmas in your family. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone to make something right. But today we're just going to make a space of healing. We're going we're gonna to respond for at least a song of worship or a little more or something. And we're just going to make space for God to move. Like I said, some of us, we need to, to come to Jesus and just um, lay something at the altar that maybe we just need to leave and not to leave without, you know? Some of us, we need to go receive some empathy from Jesus and maybe even someone else. Some of us, we need to go have a conversation with someone today. We need to go apologize to someone today or this month or this season of our lives. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing, but I just want to just pause for a second right before we go into this song and just just allow the Holy Spirit to speak what he wants to speak. So, Father, we just invite you, Spirit of God. Bring names to mind. Bring specifics to mind. praying that the Holy Spirit's comfort would begin to flow all over this room. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit's conviction would also be in this room when we need to. And I'm praying a holy urgency for those of us who have just been neglecting something that is a big deal to God. So Father, I pray, have your way. And I'm praying that this Christmas, that this time of Advent, would be a time of breakthrough. It would be a time where love pours out and love wins and his name is Jesus and that he would be victorious in our lives, in our relationships and that relationships would be reconciled, that hearts would be set free this Christmas, that, that lives would be changed because Jesus, you came and you are on your throne. And so I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, have your way today. Let's respond here in this worship and just want to invite you to do whatever business you need to do.